Hey, you're drinking house coffee, unfiltered conversations brewed at the intersection of real estate life and coffee shop service. We're Maggie and Rich, local business owners and friends sharing stories and welcoming you to pull up a chair with us. The door's always open. Let us pour you a cup. What are you listening to? Oh, right into it. I am planning that all day. Oh, sweet. Okay. Well, first of all, welcome to episode 29. You can't, you can't just, all right. I want to (laughs) just, just can't, you just can't not say that. I can't not say it. Um, I have been listening to Taylor Swift's version (laughs) of 1989. The best version. Am I right? Oh my gosh. The best album. The only version. Well, maybe not the best album. I actually can't decide because I've pretty much my, the album I listen to the most is um, Folklore. And I just resonate with every single song on on that album. Is it the newer one? It's newer. I feel like when it came out, you were excited. Was it after we started podcasting? No, it came out during COVID. Okay. All right. And I'm um, not going to pretend like I'm a Swifty out here. It's <laughs> cool. Really not. It's cool. Um, but anyway, Taylor Swift is re recording all of her albums. I do know that. Not all of them, just the ones that she doesn't own the rights and music to. Okay. She has shaken up the m- music industry so much so that music executives and record labels now have a a contingency or a clause in a new artist contract saying they can never re-record their own version of their songs. Shout out. Because of this. (laughs) Wow. Isn't that insane? Where'd you see that? Is that a... I saw like a video about it. Basically like, which... I know, she kind of got lucky probably with the current... Well, yeah, but... Also, Taylor writes every single one of her songs. Yeah. So she, for her not to own them is actually a crime, but the fact that she was able to re-record them all and make her own version is just brilliant. And also the fact that she's able to do that and make her own version and it's causing record labels and executives to put clauses and amend contracts with recording artists that they can't re-record their own music in the future is just bananas. <laughs> Truly. Yeah, so something of a history maker, probably. Yeah, absolutely. So I, that album came out, what is it, like a couple weeks ago? And I've just been I've just been listening to it. It's a really good album. Cool. It was the album when it was released, that was her first pop album. And it was like all pop. Whereas like some of her songs before were like, there were like country versions and pop versions on the same, like on the same radio station, different radio stations from the same album. Interesting. Like, um, but now this is just, this was her, when it debuted, it was like her pop only and like Shake It Off is on this album. Got it. Style is on this album. Um, I'll have to give a listen. Yeah. When Taylor's version of that like 10 minute one. Oh yeah. 
Uh, it's like all too little, well. All too well. Yeah. When that came out, Candace was all over it. She yeah. was like singing it. And yeah. Like we were <laughs> kind of vibing. It's so over that. good. That that is probably like the moment I started to become more invested or interested in her story. Obviously, she's been around. We kind of grew up with her, you know, yeah. in a sense. But like that was her. I don't know. I, I, nothing against her. I just never got into it. Right. But that was the moment where I was like. Okay, this maybe is something to revisit. So, yeah. not that I've gotten, not that I've gone beyond that very much, but but it's enough of a of an of an interest. Yes, a point of interest that like that could draw me in. And now another new record drop could also be something else mm-hmm. I could check out for sure. <laughs> I am a lyricist person. Like yeah. I oh, so really cool. like. I will love a song for its lyrics. Yes, I am as well. That's so, probably my reference. Yes. So anything like she's just such a creative writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And storytelling. The, storytelling. It's all about the story. Yeah. And I I just she has won over the hearts of many people and myself included. She's very, very It's like total genius. package. Yeah. Yes. Total package. Because you got music that's like a good song, it's a good song craft, but the but if but if it's also good lyrics at the same mm-hmm. time, it's 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 everything. And me. she writes her own songs and she writes her own music. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, with collaborations from other artists, sure. but I just yeah, that's, that's a true it's talent. Very it's talent. really yeah. it's that's the kind of people that I I get invested in. So like Death Cab for Cutie mm-hmm. for me was always just some yeah. of the, some of the best poetry set to music. Like, you know I what love, lyric blew my mind? Please. The glove compartment isn't accurately named. I was I couldn't stop thinking about that yeah. lyric for like months. It's uh, the song title and registration by yes. Death Cab for Cutie from their 2003 like, album Transatlanticism. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. No, that's you're right. That's that, and that's exa- that's a perfect example mm-hmm. of the kind of lyricism you get from those guys mm-hmm. where it's like every they're they're not just saying random words or stringing mm-hmm. random words together. Every line is like a paragraph. It's part of Very a crafted. It's part of the story. You know, that's interestingly the struggle with what I've been listening to lately, which is more which is the yeah. same Blink album that I talked about last week. I that's, listened to that song today. I, which one? Um, the one you mentioned last week. Um, I don't remember which song I might have mentioned. Old, too old, not too young. What's that? The, their newest release. Oh, the, a song or album? Song. <sighs> the, the album is called uh, One More Time. One More Time. The song is called One More Time. One More Time. Sorry. Title track. <laughs> yes, that's the song I listened to today. Cool. Were you, were you in a Blink at all growing up? My, I had a hits? friend in high school okay. who was into Blink and um, she was kind of like a she was into like skater boys <laughs> and like um punk rock and everything yeah. and like she introduced me to EQX WEQX gotcha. the radio station and so I just wasn't allowed to listen right. to blink because of my upbringing and like when we were in high school streaming just wasn't an yeah, option yeah. so like you could only listen to blink if you had their CDs, you know what I mean? And you know I had their CDs. Yeah, and you had their CDs. I was a Reliant K fan. Yeah. Five Iron Frenzy, Super the style, you were into the style, but uh, the, yeah, okay. All right, well, okay. So anyway, the point is that I've been, 
surprised at how much this record is like sticky. Like I'm, I'm enjoying it. I've, mm-hmm. I've been spinning it the, uh, the whole other week since we last talked. But my struggle You're with You're still is, listening to it? Yes. My struggle with it is the lyrics. Okay. And this is not Blink's strongest lyric writing. Okay. I think their strongest lyrics, first of all, I think they come from Mark more than Tom. Okay. Sorry, Tom. Second, I think that their self-titled album from 2003 Mm -hmm. was the the pinnacle of their songwriting. And there have been some good ones since then because they've they put a lot of music with a different lead singer besides Tom for a little while. But like, yeah, this just I am okay with lyrics that aren't super strong, but they gotta at least like you gotta at least still have good grammar and good like sentence structure. <laughs> and even that is something that too often for me, Blink leaves to be desired. And that's that's one of those things where I'm willing to make an exception sometimes. But if if that's your style and your music's not that cool, I'm not gonna get into you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then for other bands. If your if your music is not if your lyrics aren't there and your music's just generic or boring, you know there's plenty of of artists who 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 craft like grammatically correct sentences mm-hmm. but aren't really telling a story or doing Jason Mraz interesting. Oh God, honestly, hey Jason Mraz, I'm leaving right now. <laughs> this yeah, podcast just, is over. Too Goodbye. Generic. I don't know. Like. Uh, I don't Do know you even listen to Jason no, Mraz? I mean, maybe I'll give him a should give him a chance, but you should listen if you're going to listen to Jason Mraz. Listen to Mr. A to Z. Isn't all a, about the isn't wordplay. A hit? I think I've heard that one, Mr. A to Z. That's like a popular one. Wordplay is what the song. He's is one called. of those guys. He's like trying too hard for me on the song already. Mm. You know what I mean? He's just like, like he's going too far. Fighting <laughs> words. All right, all right. Well, anyway, you must um, feel the same way about John Mayer then. Eh, maybe I, I maybe I got into him or heard him when I was young enough to where like he's got the music side too though. Like he's actually like as good at guitar playing as he is at songwriting. Mm-hmm. So it's not just so he. There's more to him, you know. I don't know. I don't know what Jason Mraz is all about. He's just like a guy out there writing songs. Like okay, because you probably are only familiar with his hit songs, probably. what you hear on the radio. But I don't want to get maybe into I gotta an argument. Him a fair shake. I will say. Jason Mraz, like we can move on from this topic after I say this one little thing. Jason Mraz, I, when I, like when I heard one of his songs after I had come back from a trip overseas, I was listening to Jason Mraz and it was one of those songs that like I was sobbing, crying. Wow. It was like, it was just, I just had a moment with one of the songs. Okay. And well, that's why your song is called Sunshine Song. <laughs> All right. So that just tells you a little bit Sunshine about Sunshine Song. We'll me. check it out. Yes. He's, um, he's got one more chance. Yeah. With Sunshine Song. It better yeah. knock it out of the park, dude. All of his live albums are really good, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so, yeah, that's, I just continued listening so to that. Continue listening to Blink 182. Wow, both n- nostalgia bands. I know. For, a sp- happens. for both of us. What can I say? Yeah. I did put on the latest uh, Best Friend Energy today in the car. Okay. Checking out because it was true crime. They, were, they, had a, oh. they had a guest on who is uh, big in the true crime podcast world. She's got a whole media company now. Uh, Ashley something. Ashley something. I I'll forget even what her podcast is. But um, yeah, cool. Sometimes I like to just let something else 
Yeah. Totally different getting the mix to break it up, you know? Totally. All right. Well, since we're talking about business and money with our um, continuing our conversation to, yeah. today with the business model canvas, do we have time for a quick story about a hard lesson? We're always here for stories. I know. I haven't told I you this yet. I would rather hear s- stories than. Dude, I'd scrap our whole script just, okay. to talk, just to hear a good story. Okay, cool. I'm really glad that you feel this way because... <laughs> um, this, but only if there's a lesson. There's a lesson. Completely related to what we were going to talk about. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Please. So um, if th- this whole like parenting thing is new to me, as you know, like, yeah. because and if you're just tuning in... Um, <laughs> Now you recently had a kid. I recently had a kid. He's 12 years old. (laughs) And he's been in my care um, with me and Brandon. And um, that's really all I've shared in terms of like the background. So you're not really missing anything having to do with that. But um, it's been an adjustment and it's just honestly been such a joy. He's a really good kid. Um, And adjusting to living with us at our house has been... A, t- a challenge. One of the challenges is we have two dogs, Rosie and Bruce. They're standard poodles and they're very, very well trained, very good dogs. But they have this one quality that they like to shred and eat paper. Oh boy. And you just have to be aware not to leave like paper on the ground or um, anything that they can within like reach or they'll. Bruce will take it down and shred it and then Rosie will eat it. It's like a team effort. Team <laughs> dynamics. We love it. So um, we've told our child at home that um, to keep his door closed because anything that's important in his bedroom, Rosie or Bruce will eat. And it happened, <laughs> first it happened with his music, his sheet music. Oh, and they got a hold of that, and we thought that that might be a good lesson. But then um, he left a five dollar bill on the ground, and some someone found it. One of the dogs found it, brought it downstairs, and I I saw it, and it was just this shredded five dollar bill Yikes. on our floor. And I was able to save the pieces, and I collected it, and and I explained to him when he got home from school what happened, and. Wouldn't you know he leaves his door shut now, and so that's yeah. a, that's that's one part of the story. That's not the lesson. The le- this is the second second part of the story is we taped the five dollar bill back together and went to the bank yesterday to exchange it. So, in in case this happens to you, dear listener, if you shred any money, as long as one of the serial numbers on the bill is still legible and half of the other serial number is legible you can bring it to the bank and exchange it for a fully pieced together wow. dollar bill or 20 whatever whatever bill it is yeah. you just they just have to have the serial numbers so luckily the serial numbers were still sort of intact even though it was sort of taped together into like five pieces so it's a pro tip it was for you very, yeah pro tip didn't know that so we exchange the shredded taped $5 bill, got a brand new Chris $5 bill. Mm. Was so happy, so excited. Now, when you go to the bank, they have, right now they have these like, this candy dish full of lollipops. And You're talking First National, I know you are. No, I'm talking Son of another local bank. Dang. So 
On our way out, he grabbed a lollipop, which was fine. I wasn't going to say anything, but... Um, and we're walking out to the car, and when we get to my car, I I see him toss the lollipop up in the air and like catch it with his other hand. And I get into the car, we sit down, and he goes, where's my $5? What happened? And I was like, I don't know. I just saw it in your hand. I don't, I don't know where it went. And he's like, I think I dropped it. And so he went back into the bank, and he looked for it. It wasn't in the bank. And it was a very windy day yesterday. And the sad part of the story is that it blew away. We don't know where it went. Oh I tore apart my car when I got home. I, you, you know I tore apart my car because I, I wanted so badly for that to be in my car, right. but it wasn't. Every surface, every edge, every crease of my car, I tore it apart. It's not in there. It definitely blew away. But I walked, before we left the bank parking lot, I went inside and I asked them, like, have you seen it? Like, he checked his pockets like a million times. They're like, no, we, it's not here. We didn't see it. But if, if, if it turns up, we'll let you know. And I almost, almost withdrew $5 <laughs> from my account so I could go back outside and pretend I found it inside. Yeah. But I didn't because... Felt like this was an opportunity for for him to learn a lesson about <laughs> being careful yeah. with your money, even though it was so hard for me to not want to like put it back in his hand. Like first, he left it on the floor and it got shredded, and then we we had a chance to redeem ourselves, and then we went to the bank and we got it exchanged, and then right after he got it back, it it he he's like tossed it away. And like, it was just a really, I think it was, wow. it was a really hard lesson to learn. And, and Brandon and I were talking about it cause I explained the story to him last night and he's like, Maggie, better for him to learn it with $5 than like a thousand dollars or you heard that even more, first. you know? Yeah. So it felt good to have Brandon like, re he's like, it's good. You should, you did the right thing. You didn't. You shouldn't have gone and replaced it, but I think yeah. that would be a hard lesson to learn. Sorry to like go off. I no, know we're meant to talk about something different today, though. but I mean, that's a good story. You're uh, learning hard parenting lessons. He's learning hard really life tough. lessons. You know, that's, uh, that's, that's good to hear, but yeah, no doubt. That's, you got to break someone's heart sometimes. It broke my heart. Yeah. Well, that's good. Right. right. That's gonna, how it's gonna and be. I knew it. I knew it broke his heart too. Yeah. Twice. But like, that's the heart. That's how you learn. You know what I mean? It's the pain of a thing that really yeah. solidifies it sometimes for us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's honestly, that story speaks to me because, <laughs> you know, I've learned, I've learned a lot of those money lessons the hard way as well in the last five years mm -hmm. with story because, um, you know, I haven't been the best money manager and that's, yeah, that's something you got to know. Mm -hmm. Or, or as I said last time, your circumstances have to allow enough time for correcting those things. If, right. If they, if you do it wrong, right, does doesn't always work out that way. So, yes, better learn that with five than five hundred. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Well, good job. Oh, that was that was tough. Um. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, speaking of money and businesses, going back to the business model canvas. Yeah. 
which from is the business channel. Exactly. A video that we are using as a reference. We've got we saw it last week. I don't know if you watched it since then. <laughs> I have not watched it since then, but I've <laughs> listened. Somehow it doesn't surprise me. I've listened to last week's episode several times oh. since then. So okay, yeah, yeah, cool. I'm familiar. So with we our, with our conversation from are last week, talking about business models, both in general and also as it relates to our particular businesses, and we're using the framework given by this video that we found on YouTube that has over two million two million views, called. Uh, you just said it. The business model canvas. Yes, yes, yes. From the business channel. So recommend yes. that because it's a nine-minute video that's very concise and I think comprehensive to the components of a business model. And we won't go through all those components because we did last time, but we are talking about points three, four, and five today, which are uh, channels, aka like. Um, to get customers, well, channels of like how your product is getting sales channels. Sales channels is uh, the full term. Sales channels. We're talking about customer relationships, and we're talking about revenue right. streams, yep. which is like a channel of money into your business. So products out, sales channels, and then revenue streams, oh. money in, and then customer relationships in the middle. Um, as we were talking last week, we really just went through points one and two. The you know the the what problem are you solving? That's point number one. And then who, you're talking about your market and who you're trying to sell your stuff to. Mm-hmm. Why are they going to buy from you? That's kind of like points one and two. We went through all that um, loosely with again relating to our businesses. The thing to to the, I didn't say this in these words last time, but I had this thought as I was listening back. These nine things they're not linear per se. So there are these nine components. But they 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 go hand in hand in so many ways that complete like to make a complete structure of a business, but they're not like linear in a way. So they mm-hmm. a lot of them bleed into one another. And I think the three things we're talking about today, sales channels, customer relationships, revenue streams, they all really go, they're closely linked. They're all almost talking about the same things, covering the the same ground, even as you break them into these categories. So that's what we're going to try to focus on today and see what stories come up along the way. And then the last four components we'll try to wrap up with next time. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Any thoughts real quick? Oh, does that sound right? Um, when you say sales channels, yeah, it's interesting because we have two very different business models. Mine is, yeah, so well, different. you you deliver goods, not deliver, I don't know how you would describe it. Like you are a goods um, type of business, like food, you, restaurant. Hard, yeah, we're giving you hard stuff. Um, yeah, no, I, right, go, so yeah, yeah, keep and going. My business is a service. Right, it's a good service-based versus like, yeah. I don't know, goods-based. I mean, there's probably technical terms for these things that Well, it's I like, don't I don't sell a physical product with staging. I sell uh Your experience. time and your <laughs> skills, yeah, for yeah. an end result. Yes. And the and like, if anything, you're a rental company. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they're not keeping products as a result right. of working from you. 
Not at this time, but I have a business <laughs> proposition for you. No, I'm just <laughs> so it's interesting when you talk about sales channel when, and, and you say how to get stuff to people, products out. Right. Like for me personally, my business, I am not getting products to people to keep. I, I have inventory, but I own my inventory and I don't sell my inventory. I sell the services attached to my inventory. Yeah. Right, exactly. Perfect. That's a, that's a great point. So there's there's such a range there's a range of of business models as we've been saying. There's mm-hmm. a range of of channels probably even within one business model. So how are you getting products how are you getting your service? So your your product in other words is your service of coming to someone's house and making that environment, curating an environment so that they can sell uh, that house ultimately. I like that. Yeah, I mean, trying to just put it curating in Curating an environment. You can have that for free. Thanks. So, because ultimately the, yep. the goal is to sell a product, the house. Yes. But it's a big, uh, it, it's just, it's interesting because a, a house is a, a good, right? Or because this is a very interesting way this of like thinking exactly, about it exactly. because- this is why I wanted to do this because it's like, this is stuff we take people, for granted, but when you really start to think about it and break it down, and this is what I was saying from the beginning, people take their the fact that they have a business model for granted, but it's the people who craft their business models and construct something sustainable that really succeed. Because most people only buy a house once or twice. Sure. I'm whereas, 32 years old, I've never bought a house. Whereas I would argue most people buy coffee or tea on a weekly basis, maybe daily basis. Yeah, well, you would hope. I would hope. Yeah. Okay, this just in. Quick Google, uh, quick Google for you. Four types of sales channels. I figured there was probably like some technical terms. Honestly, probably in all of these categories, there's like technical terms and like industry jargon that you could like. If you if you listen to Marketplace, right on NPR, you're gonna hear a lot of the same kinds of terms that get thrown around because they're mm-hmm. they're 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 uh, economics terms. And um, here we go. Sales channel strategy from BrightPearl.com. Just your quick Google. Search four types of sales channels. We got retail, wholesale, direct to consumer, B two B, which is business to business. So rather than mm-hmm. DTC, direct to consumer, you got B two B. So businesses to businesses, which <clears throat> wholesale might be a component of that too. But I would so I would probably be a B two B or the Welcome Home Co is probably B two B. I don't know. Business to business, right? I, well, in what sense is your is your buyer, or if you're marketing your uh, if you're marketing staging, to, in what sense is your your seller a business? They're more but of a consumer, I'm hired more of an ma- average person. But agents are the one who are agents are the ones who are hiring me. Okay, I see. 
More commonly. Yeah, more commonly. Okay, well, so that could be. So yeah, so this is interesting because you might have crossover there. You might actually mm-hmm. have both depending on who you're working for. So in your case, if you're constructing a business model, you might look at what does it mean to be B2B and what characteristics of that type of sales channel can I borrow versus DTC, how mm-hmm. can I also utilize those characteristics? Because again, if these are technical terms that have meaning imbued in them, you're going to be able to look at these as concepts and sort of mine them for strategies, if you mm-hmm. will, business strategies mm-hmm. that work in your context and according to your model. Whereas I'm very much a retail operation. Right. I have products that I'm selling, DTC, direct mm-hmm. to consumer, but I think I think B2B and, D, and DTC, those uh, probably... Those are going to relate both through like storefronts, but especially online. I think those are going to be things that are going to be okay. Take take Viore. Remember how I talked about? Yes. I listened to the, the how I built this Viore thing last week. So they, I think they started out with we're trying to wholesale. We're trying to go B two B, right? They're a business creating this product, trying to sell it to storefronts. So they were making like surfwear and and yoga wear at the beginning, and they were trying to like sell it to businesses. Board sh- actually, I don't even I don't even know if it's Viore or one of his earlier iterations of a clo- of clothing companies, and he was trying to sell to like board shops and whatever in California, and that's different than having an online presence where now you're marketing to you know, any Facebook user or whomever, mm-hmm. and you're trying to get people to come on your website and buy directly from you. Those are different approaches. That's like the DTC versus B2B. So this is, again, one of those things where there's there can be a bleed, bleed in and, and, and crossover. For me, I don't sell anything online. I'm not a coffee roaster. I don't even have merch, you know, like on our mm-hmm. website. There's nothing you can buy from us on a website. So we're very much a retail operation with all of the... Would you ever consider selling retail? Yeah, but it comes down to building out a business model mm-hmm. that's going to accommodate those and things. Because I would need a way to get the inventory. Now, full disclosure, I do have an online merch. I have a part. I have a. I have a portal set up, and this is on our website. So technically, you could buy merch products on our website. Um, we have sweatshirts and t-shirts and beanies and th- and, a, and a mug and some things that are available online, but it's dropship. It's yeah. a dropship business model where it's through a company called Printful. And when you go on there, you order that shirt, the money goes into my account and comes out of my account. Um, but the, the, pr- the, the distribution things are done on demand. Yes. They handle the printing of the product at that time and they ship it out with our name on it. And it's yep. our merch that we designed. Mm-hmm. And that's a very common business model for people who are trying to do. That's like, that's common more and more these days. People trying to make their own clothing companies mm-hmm. and just have like a passive income kind of thing. Uh, companies, I don't know if you know Null Void, they're a local like clothing company, kind of alternative, edgy stuff. That and, would be uh, a great thing to promote for the holiday season is like buy a story yeah, thing. Yeah. I don't know if it, it's worth you make that much on yep. it. 
I mean, so technically that's a sales channel for us as well. We have that online portal. It's always there. I, but it's never, we never, never market it. it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's out there. It's on our website. It's on our, it's even on our Instagram. But even when we first put it out there, it wasn't, it didn't really take, I don't know if it's cost or, or what. Hmm. So, but the point is like, that's an option. That's an option. So you don't have, but you don't also have merch online or anything like no. that. So as a sales channel, how are you getting, like, are, do you have a, do you have a book now kind of thing on your website? No. Nope. Do you have a send a, like, is it on your Instagram? No. Nope. Link in bio. So how are you getting your, it's a hundred percent referral. hundred percent lead referrals. Yes. Okay. Cool. And that's sort of, that's a way, you know, you get people yep. mouth, word of mouth. Yep. And, and I am not against having a book now or a, a way to promote it on my Instagram. It's just that the inventory I have right now doesn't support True. a huge amount of like customer bases because I think I'm, I mentioned this maybe casually in the last episode, but I have furniture in five houses right now and I'm completely tapped out of furniture. My inventory is expensive to hold and expensive to procure if you want good quality stuff. And, um, I, I had to break down and buy a bunch of stuff at Target a couple of weeks ago, I'm I, again. I mentioned this like I didn't want out to ask of necessity. You didn't, you didn't. We didn't talk about it on the pod. But, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it it like it wore out a piece of my soul having to do that because yeah. it, I needed to. It was the demand was there, and I had to. I, I did a very like I did an expensive Target run so that I could fulfill an order for a staging job, and. While it's, I don't make that my practice, but I've never had five houses staged at the same time before. So it's a good problem to have. Um, In fact, maybe we can talk about this in a future episode. Welcome Home Co. just purchased a massive storage shed that's going to be delivered to my house at the end of this month. Wow. For my inventory. And it's just, you know, we debated, Brandon and I were talking about like, we have a storage problem right now. And do I buy another trailer? Do I rent a storage unit? Do we, you know, buy a sprinter van? Do we like, we literally hashed out all the options and the solution that we came up with that we thought would be the best investment would be, a storage shed that's kind of prefabbed, like, you know, it's, it's also something that Brandon doesn't have to build. We just have to like <laughs> yeah. order it. They take care of putting the slab down and they just basically drop and, and roll. Yeah. So moving and shaking, moving and shaking. So that's going to be a solution. You heard it, you heard it here first. Whew, man. My solution to the inventory problem. Well, I don't, the, the storage problem yeah. I have for now. Yeah. No, for until future notice. Dude, business decisions. That's cool. I mean, that's convenient to have it right there. It's your base yeah. of operations. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we have a storage unit for storage because we also have a storage problem. <laughs> right now it's like half books and, mm. you know, it's 
it's in Glenville. So it's like on the way to my house and it's kind of like a location wise. It's good. Uh, quality of the storage unit. Not great. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but it's, but that's my, that's our move. It was cheaper than like, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a cheaper option that works, yeah. but having something on premise would be even handier. I even considered, we don't have the space for that though. Cause we're just renting. Yeah. For a brief moment, like a few days, I was even considering buying like a vacant piece of land just to like <sighs> build something onto. Yeah. Like that was literally like in the, like I was messaging another agent I know about like what it what it would look like. We were talking to the town about like, wow. can we build on this? All right, well, it comes back around to that. Let me know because uh, maybe <laughs> I got to get a storage shit out there too. Okay. <laughs> but- I'll rent from you. Like- Ultimately, the convenience of having that at my house is so worth it because yeah. it just will save me time and everything from yeah, it makes total sense going places. That's so, a great idea. for me, that has nothing really to do with my sales channel, but it it definitely has to do with how I get stuff to people. And provide that service. Yeah. Um, so I mean, there's there's going to be a slew of things, and it's got to be something that works for you. The the key is you got to have a way of getting people to you. And right now, with your limited inventory, you've got referral based business works for you because yes. you can't have people booking you out, or you know, that's just that's that's not where your business is yet. Mm-hmm. Your you would have to have a situation where you have. You'd have to either concede to, all right, well, my values tell me that I need to just be making money right now. So I'm going to go stock up on Target or whatever new Mm -hmm. products inventory. Like you're not at that point. This doesn't feel super need based, you know, as much as it, like you're not out here trying to profit at the expense of your values. Right. You are maintaining values and letting them guide you. And I trust still operating a profitable business, but it's like enough for your needs and lifestyle mm-hmm. in in a partnership with your real estate business. So that's great. It would be a different model to say, okay, I am going to just get all this f- fine stuff, but new and... and mm-hmm and just pile up this inventory so I can make more of these sales. But that's that's a different model. It's a different way of looking at how to make money. Either way, the key is you're making money and uh, and you're making it work for you and you're staying true to your values, yes. which I know for you is a huge thing. Huge thing, yes. Broke your heart to get the, to do that target it run. It did. It really did. Sorry that happened to you. And Joe still reminds me because <laughs> he likes to make fun of me for... Things like that. Yeah, <laughs> classic. So I don't know how much more there is to say about sales channels. You've got one. It's basically lead-based stuff. Mm-hmm. you got people calling your phone, sending you emails, right? I don't know if it's through your website or whatever. People who, who need your services know how yes. to generally find you. And that's how you're making those sales through con- I'm trying to remain low-key, <laughs> but people keep finding me. Yep. No, that's all right. Uh, I'm not complaining. Right. I, I, I love what I do. I really truly do. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And it's manageable. And that's yes. another key because your business model is not one where you, you know, have all these employees built right. into your your strategy, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's you, sole it's proprietor, more or less. Yeah. So you're me and Joe. 
Yeah. Yep. Well, and, and he's Brandon. not even technically an employee. I right? have to account Brandon because Brandon moves my trailer. Totally. Couldn't do it without Brandon. So, yeah. Awesome. And my sales channel is primarily our retail storefront, um, which has been just a store, a presence in Scotia mm-hmm. for the four going on five years. We tried a second retail storefront. It didn't pan out over time. Um, right now, we have our name on the operation at Visher Ferry, but technically the sales don't go to Storied in any way. What happens there is Storied is paid by Visher Ferry for a number of things, including my presence, my like, my uh, direction, kind of a consulting. Mm-hmm. It's more of a consulting situation. So Storied is making money. So this is a different kind of revenue stream. This is the only place I have this going on. It's almost like a consulting element to to my business model, but it also includes some rental fees. Like our espresso machine is on the bar there, and like my expertise comes with. Did it. you ever get that three group going again? Yes. Yeah, okay. Call me, dude. It's awesome. Sweet. Okay. Sorry if I didn't follow up on that, but that's that's going and humming it really is rocking and but i had to do like it was it was my work on that mm-hmm. it was getting the parts it was changing them out you know so that all kind of comes with that package deal so stories we get bringing in money for that but not as a retail product going out that's more of a service thing and like trading my time and expertise for for that experience mm-hmm. so that's another little side hustle we got going on in a sense and then that like i said there is the clothing channel out there but that's not currently going anywhere. So yeah. if anyone's looking for a nice little sweatshirt or beanie for the fall yep. season, hit up that uh, storycoffee.com slash merch. <laughs> Shout out. I also noticed that in your business model, I was talking to Abby today yeah. at Storied and your yours like goods are like multi-step. Like there are multiple, aside from just like a cup of coffee, every drink that you prepare for somebody has multiple steps. Yeah. So like you also have to think about like, not just do I have coffee or do I have tea or do I have tapioca? You have like, you have to think about like the different types of milk options that you have. You have to think about the different um, tapioca or popping pearls or the other, what's the other thing called? Like the jellies in yep. those, in the drinks. You have to think about the different types of tea and yeah. you make all your teas. So you have that whole process. And then when it comes to your specialty drinks, like lattes or cappuccinos, not Americanos, because <laughs> that is not we something. Make those. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, it's what's just espresso the- with hot water. Flat white. There's something that you like don't I'm, make. I'm prickly about the flat white. Okay. We don't really do a flat white because um, it's a tradition. Listen, <clears throat> the pro tip sorry, out there in listener land. This is uh, a flat white is a European slash. Actually, it's Aust- well, it's kind of debated whether it originated in Australia or New Zealand. It goes back and forth. It's kind of a fun thing in the industry. But point is a flat white. All right. Starbucks. Not what they got for you. Okay. Here's a flat white. It's uh it's a double shot. No, okay. So oh, this God. is why this is why it's a problem. All right, people got to know. Sorry, I brought people, it up. <laughs> never bring up coffee, uh, <laughs> things like this. Here's a flower. All right, in a lot of European countries, they're gonna pull a they're gonna pull a shot, 
with a, a spouted portafilter, okay? We use naked or bottomless portafilters, which means you get, you see this on Instagram, you get just the one stream that comes down and you get to like watch the espresso come out. A spouted portafilter is gonna have two things that come down and you're not gonna see the espresso except for it's gonna come out in two streams and typically it's coming out into two cups. So what a flat white's getting you is you're doing a ristretto shot, AKA it's gonna be like a little less, it's gonna be a stronger, more intense shot that comes out and it's going through in a spouted filter. Uh, spouted party filter and it's going into two cups and they're just gonna use the one cup of a ristretto shot. I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I got this right. Traditional flat white, okay? And so they're giving you like a, a strong, supposed to have a stronger espresso flavor, but be a little less because it's they're only using ha like half of the shot, but it's 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 more intense because it's a ristretto. So you got that, that's your, that's your coffee baseline. And then the milk, it's all about the milk texture and the volume. It's a smaller drink, smaller than a cappuccino. It's like six ounces, okay? and it's steamed real thin. So it's gonna be like, not quite even like a latte. Definitely not like a cappuccino. Shouldn't be on, shouldn't be foamy. It's gonna be like a thinner, almost more like liquid going on in there. And then it's just gonna have the thinnest like skim coat of like a microfoam kind of latte texture. Now technically it should have a rosetta uh, as far as the art goes. Uh, that's according to my uh, Australian friend who owns um, Village Coffee and Goods in Kingston. But uh, yeah, so that's the skinny on on a flat white, all right? And you wow. definitely are not getting that from Starbucks. And actually, frankly, no coffee shop around here is pulling in Ristretto shots, at least not the way they probably should be. And uh, I, so if you ask me for a flat white, I'm giving you like, I'm giving you basically a small latte with a thin texture, but you're getting that full double shot. And yeah, that's the best I can do for you. Wow, Rich. <laughs> That, the people had to know. I'm sorry. I'm, they had to know. I'm so glad that but now you, know you, why I don't you had your that, hot take. We don't take. do all that stuff. And, and if I wish our audience could like see <laughs> the passion uh, in your face while you were talking and the movements of your hands <laughs> as you were like mimicking uh, all these steps. And we do, we do film these episodes. They're not available anywhere right now, but they will be. But rest assured, when this video <laughs> is available, I really think someone, we should have pe like charge people to watch it because just seeing Rich <laughs> reenact this right now is we should like at least get that pure clip. gold. We should at least get that clip though and I can put it on the story to yeah, Instagram for people. Yeah, so good. Give you the dish on the flat way. Totally. I'm glad you asked. You didn't mm -hmm. ask, but I told I you. I didn't ask, but basically there are multiple steps to what you offer. That was what my yeah, point is. Yeah, flat white notwithstanding. Yeah. I mean, you heard about seriously. all the steps in that one. I had to reinvent the recipe on making a ristretto if I wanted to serve that. Exactly. I ain't got time for that. But yeah, I mean, it's hard enough out here just doing the normal amount of steps. Right. So <laughs> that's my point. Yeah. Is like, you're not just a, you're, you're not just like pull something off the shelf unless it's a used book. Right. Kind of a place in terms of your, your, you know, business, um, yeah. product sale channel. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there's another point to be made from that, that you would make as far as why you're highlighting that, but that gets into the, the I reason. I was just comparing the differences in our business. Yeah. Okay. And that and is the a, intricacies of, of storied. Exactly. And it's the intricacies like that around a business that make it easier or more difficult to replicate. Right, like take a franchise model for mm. instance. Businesses that franchise are they're cookie cutter. It's not. It's it's what you're selling, 
and this is the whole this is the whole vision behind the book the e myth. What you are selling is shout out to Becca. <laughs> totally, what you are selling is the the whole structure. You're selling a package business that you need merely to plug people into. Everything is thought about down to like how much uh, of like I don't know. You okay? Uh, you see all this come out in the movie The Founder. I don't know if you are. I've familiar. never seen the it. movie The Founder. Uh, I found it on. Pretty sure I found it on Netflix. It is the story of Ray Kroc and how he took over McDonald's uh, and turned it into from from one one well oiled machine and blew it up. The franchise into the behemoth that it is now yeah. and made it a franchise. Working with the original founders, but the story highlights that original store and why Ray Kroc was so interested in it was because he saw it was this model that was just down everything was like so precise and timed and and was he saw easily replicable and you know he went back and forth with the owners about how to do that but that is one of the original versions of that but the key is every piece of equipment would have to be the same every you know, place would need to look a certain way too. It comes down to branding and, and this is why every Duncan has, everyone's wearing yeah. the same stuff. You know, you, you see this in a franchise model, but the reason it works is everything's the same every time, or at least it should be. <laughs> it's supposed to be. Um, funny enough, what ends up happening in these franchises is they're all in small towns. And so they end up with this kind of like, small business vibe where like equipment's broken and stuff's never getting fixed and there's not enough people working. So you end up with these franchises that have these, these small biz props, as I like to call it. Like I'll talk to people who work at Subway, you know, in Scotia and they'll, they'll tell me, Oh, you know, this thing's not working Mm -hmm. or, you know, this this person and called out or whatever. And it's just like, you get the, it's funny because you get the small business vibes, even in these, uh, these, what are supposed to be cookie cutter, Mm well-oiled machine, Corporate. My best friend Amy and I things. call Subway sub nuts. <laughs> Do I want to know why? <laughs> well, Amy used to work at Subway and okay. she like, it's, it is kind of an inside joke, but when we, t- when we talk about our days, cause she worked at Subway and I worked at the ice cream shop and they were two adjoining, they were adjoining buildings. That's amazing. And we were just like a terror <laughs> to be, wow. to work for. Um, but she called it sub nuts. Yeah. Okay, that's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so, f- for yeah, and uh, so many directions to go with all mm-hmm. with all that kind of stuff. We're talking about sales channels so far, and that's you know I think we're I think we're pretty much good on that. Your, I guess the last question would be on, in real estate. What are sales channels in real estate? I don't know that. Yeah, be to that's kind of I probably got a, a range of them. I mean, you got. You're not selling houses online, are you, Zillow? No, but I use social media and I use the internet to sell houses to attract buyers. But are you talking about like how I obtain clients? Well, that's actually... So, okay, let's leave off on that because customer relationships is the next thing. And that really is the question of how are you going to get clients? How are you going to get customers to buy your service, your product, to enter your physical retail space and take things off the shelf and exchange money. Like, how are you going to get new people? 
how are you going to retain those customers and make them repeat clients and develop that? So how are you going to get, keep, and grow? I'm glad you brought that up because actually in the real estate industry, on the New York State agency disclosure that I am required to share with each person I have substantive contact with, um, I am supposed to differentiate between a customer and a client. They're not the same thing in my business. Sure. Because a client for me is who I have a fiduciary responsibility to. If I am hired and I have an agreement with the owner of a property, the seller, they are my client. And the person who purchases the house is the customer. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yes. That. So I'm. I mean, I'm if not you're a I w- seller's agent. Yep. In that context. Mm-hmm. And then, if you're a buyer's agent, your client is the the buyer. That is your client. Yeah. And they are the customer of who they are purchasing from. Sure. Yeah. Logically, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that's it's almost intuitive to. It took me a long time Say to... Say when you put it out there like that, but mm-hmm. one of those subtle things you wouldn't think about maybe, but right. that's a good point. Um, a client is someone who has employed you more or Correct. less. And a customer is a potential prospect yes. of someone becoming a client. Client language doesn't really work in like the coffee shop world. Mm-hmm. We, you know, like you would you call can, it a guest. Yeah, we would say, right, someone who's who's our our someone who is our customer, we're going to call them guests. And that wraps up a lot of things into it. But a client is almost someone you could see, it's, a long, it's almost a long-term relationship, yes. right? Like a law, It's like a lawyer, that's lawyer language. Mm-hmm. You're, that's your, your client, someone you're representing. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're representing either a seller or a buyer in right. your context. So I've, I wonder if it has to do with that long-term, like it's a relational mm-hmm. word. Yes. Clients... Um, I don't. I don't know what the opposite the word for for of that is. Like yeah. what your word. What your word is. Uh, clients. The person who possesses a client. I don't know what that person is called. The <laughs> Maybe person it's who specific. possesses the client. Um, oh, right. I like thought, a realtor. Yeah. has clients. A lawyer has clients. Yeah. but I don't know if there's a more categorical word for that person. Fiduciary. Client-y? I don't know. No. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. You know, What's a, that anyway. word? Does anyone know that word? <laughs> Crickets. Yeah. Um, not a big, not a big deal at all. Just, just an observation. Whereas, okay. yeah, I don't have. Cl- cl- I mean, you could maybe you could say Fisher Ferry or like Louise is mm-hmm. is a client of mine, but we wouldn't use that language either because no. it's kind of formal, um, and I'm not sure that qu- quite fits in. But if I had more of a consulting business, would I have? Yeah, I guess I would have clients in that case mm-hmm. if that was more of a business I was pursuing and had a, a bunch of people in that type of relationship. It's a it's yeah. a type of relationship. It's a relational word. Customers, that gives the sense of more like a one-time, yeah. even if it's repeat transactional. customers, transactional one-time kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And guest is just a, a nicer way of thinking about the people who are your customers. Mm-hmm. Maybe it invites more thoughtfulness about that relationship. 
So the question is always like, how are we going to get these people? You know, in a retail environment like mine, it's it's limiting. It's pretty limiting because I just have that one place. I have to get people to come to my business. That's the struggle. Yeah. In Scotia, there's only so many people. In the Schenectady area, like there's only so many people. They only want to travel so far. Rich, what would you do if all of the sudden, like you were like, flooded with customers. What would you do? I would have to make some changes. Do you mean like on one, like a, like one day? No. Like what if all of a sudden my prayers house, were answered? <laughs> your, well, house coffee podcast blows up. Yeah. You know, it's happening, but, um, and Shut they're up. like, Oh my gosh, we need to go to storied coffee right now. And all of a sudden, like we have like this reach and then it's it's it just becomes like, are you prepared for the busyness that you are so desiring? No, absolutely not. Our systems would not be able to handle that currently, but we would be able to quickly pivot to okay. begin handling that. It would first of all require more staff. But the thing with staff in my business model currently is that there's not enough revenue mm-hmm. coming in. My revenue stream is... Uh, it trickle. It's a trickle, <laughs> and um, so we can't really sustain the amount of people to like do the work necessary to accommodate a lot of business. And and it's it's almost a chicken egg question. I was, ju- I was it's a literally little bit of a chicken egg question. But my- if you asked my cons- my consultant, he would say. He would say sales precede staffing. So he would say you don't hire until you need to hire. Don't hire in anticipation or in hope of more people. Because I I went through that. In fact, that's the reason I started thinking about business models Hmm. and what a business model does for you. Because I had a conversation with him at the tail end of our Labor Day closure where we were kind of remodeling, but I was also thinking like, do we need a different model where we have more staff what if what if we came out with this marketing thing where we were like, all right, people, we know wait times are, are a big concern at Storied. And so we're going to guarantee that your wait time is going to be cut in half because we're going to have dedicated two people on bar and one in the kitchen moving forward. What if we made this promise? Like we will never be understaffed, <laughs> right? Big promise. What? If, but this was the model I was playing with. What if we brought in more staff in hopes that the guarantee of faster service would bring more people in. Well, that only works if more people actually come in. Right. It's a big faith move. But he would say, that's not the way. He would say, you need a different model altogether. You need a model where the people you currently, the sales you currently have, obviously we always want to generate more sales if we can. We want to figure out ways to bring in more sales, increase those revenue streams. But he would say sales precede the staffing. And so if you're consistently, take a month, right? If you if you look back at your sales over a month and you see that your hourly sales, they're just not there, don't bring in another person, change your model. Get yeah. rid of some thing that you people aren't looking for, people aren't asking for, you know? So what we ended up doing, we ended up cutting hours. Rather than keep ourselves open until 4.30, we reduced it to two o'clock, yeah. right? Because what people are people are 
asking for, those, those are low volume hours, meaning like our model says we should have all, we have all these hours open, but, but ultimately people weren't looking for those hours. And we know because they're, they're, they're there, but they're, the sales stop at two, but yeah. the people are there till 4.30. You know what I mean? So people are asking us Yeah, people to, like me. Yes. So people are, it's an, it's a different kind of need, but it's not one that's profitable. It's yeah. the, we had to change that model. If we were suddenly flooded with people, like like on a consistent basis, well, yeah, okay, now there's there's the revenues there. We can back it up with with staff. We can adjust the system, have more inventory, you know, follow the money, in yeah. a sense. And that's the hard part about doing a small business is like you're always wrestling with those those tensions. You want to always give a good product and like great service, but you have to do what you can afford, and the revenue has to, the revenue's never been there to suggest that we should have. If you build it, they will come. No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, I wish, but uh, but if we don't have that that luxury. We told ourselves at the beginning though, if you build it, they will come. You know, we, yeah. we when we started out, we were like, all right, we'll try, you start out generous and you try to give people what you can but if they don't respond to that or if a pandemic happens and everyone's yeah. spending behavior and social behavior changes, then you got to change something else. Well, so I have to go, I have to go pick up my kid. You heard school. it here. <laughs> I'm sorry to cut you no, off. That's all right. That's uh, I knew we were getting close to the, to yeah. the end there. So um, this has been a much more interesting conversation than I was expecting. And I'm really glad that, we are making this a series because there's just so much, there's just so much we could talk about. And yeah. we have two other things that I know we, we anticipated talking about and my story probably well, we touched ate up some them, of that time. It's a good point. Of, but I, I'm really looking forward to like continuing this conversation. Yeah, same, same. I think there's, again, I think business models are taken for granted. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot more to them. They're both like more nuanced and more yeah. you know, broad than people, I think, appreciate. Definitely than I've appreciated. Mm -hmm. So this is a chance to like study it a little bit. And yes. Work it out. Please send us your feedback or questions at housecoffeepodcast at gmail.com. And, you know, if you love this podcast, it would just mean the world to us if you would leave us a review. And because it would help us grow and bring more content and maybe help pay TJ Ooh, one of these days. Okay, okay. <laughs> TJ, we love you. But yes, please leave us a review. It's super important for the growth of our podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Later. Goodbye.